0: welcome back to the yellow box podcast this week we're joined by community pastor ian simpkins as we wrap up our series moving mountains for more information please visit us at www.communitychristian.org and remember you can always find us on sundays at the yellow box at 9 30 a.m 11 15 a.m and 5 p.m we hope to see you there uh how many of you have done a trust fall before Anyone know what i'm talking about it's like that that really quirky like corporate team building thing where you just like lock your legs, you just fall into the arms to see if your coworkers, trust, you know, you can trust them or not. Has anyone ever done it before? Anyone? Anyone really enjoy doing it? It's right. Is anyone like terrified that I'm gonna invite you on stage right now to do one? Okay, so don't worry. I'm actually gonna demonstrate a trust fall for you and uh, I've invited some friends to the stage to help me with that. So uh, would my beefy friends come to the stage to catch me please, wherever they are? Yeah, let's give it up for our trust fall, friends. Um, so a trust fall, I'm, I'm told, really only works if there's some danger involved. So if you guys could help me get on the table real quick, that would be... I'm kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> that was like 2% laughter, 98% panic. Uh, so there, I'm going to line up, and really what a trust fall needs to be is that I need to uh, lock my legs, cross my arms. I need just to fall fully into their arms. And th- these guys look trustworthy, right? the jury was really out on that one i am not feeling great about this i'm gonna do it anyway let's do it okay all right this is legitimately terrifying um one two three okay hold on real quick before uh i haven't made any of you mad at me recently have i no (laughs) great (laughs) well that's good enough for me here we go (sighs) are you ready you ready church here we go all right one two three Okay, what, just one more thing. One more thing. You guys do work out, right? Somebody, please. Dimitri does? Why don't, you sh- why don't you show off those? Yeah, let's just see what he had. You- Again, very, very muted applause. <laughs> but I'll say, t- I'll okay, here we go. I'm legitimately going to do it. Ready? My heart's beating so fast right now. <laughs> okay, one, two, three. Oh, gosh. Woo! Thank you. Let's give it up for our trust ball friends. <laughs> And while they exit the stage, uh, let's take a look at somebody who wasn't so lucky. Trust you. What you doing, man? I trust you. What you doing? What do you need? No. What's wrong with you? I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Five goals. You are the first person to catch me. Thanks. I got, you, sir. I, got you. <laughs> I think my favorite is that guy in the black polo on the, on the beach who was like, what do you need? <laughs> like not faced in the slightest. But what I think this guy communicates, he shows us a really important truth. That who you put your trust in matters. Who you put your trust in Matters, And for the last three weeks or so in this series, we've been talking about what does it mean to really fully, completely trust that God is a God who moves mountains, that can do the miraculous. We've been really challenged by Jesus' words when he said this. He said, truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. As small as a mustard seed. And part of what we talked about a couple of weeks ago was that Jewish law would actually prohibit the planting of a mustard seed. Why? Because it would take over a garden. It had a way of kind of disrupting our like nice, orderly, neat boxes. And I think that's a lot of what Jesus is saying here is like, just, just give me this much. I think so often we believe that we have to have as much faith as the Pope. And what he's saying is, what if you just trusted me with this much? What if you just started with something as small? as a mustard seed, and just let me do what I'm going to do. It's been a pretty remarkable couple of weeks. In fact, we've heard a number of stories of some pretty incredible mountains that actually moved. Really, some incredible stories of people trusting God and saying, all right, God, this is, this is all I have is a mustard seed, but do something amazing in my life, and it's happened. But what is also true is that plenty of us have prayed prayers, and that mountain has not moved. We're here this morning, maybe a little busted up, a little broken-hearted, and we're caught in this tension of God, are you really listening? Are you really aware of me here? And if, if that's your story this morning, I want to first say this: you are not alone. You're not alone, not, not just only in this room, but throughout the history of the Christian faith. In fact, from Genesis to Revelation, it's filled with stories of people who say things like, God, are you aware of me? Do you see me? Were you sleeping? What's happening? And, I, and I've, I've felt that tension myself, where, where you, you, know, you, you trust God, you trust that he's a God of miracles, but, but also on the other hand, you're like, I also am kind of bracing myself for disappointment. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You have, you're kind of caught in this in-between. Yes, I really, truly believe that he can and does do those things, but I, I'm not sure I really believe that he'll do it in my life. And we're caught between this tension of belief and unbelief. So, so what do we do? right? What do we, what do we do with that tension? Well, not surprisingly, I think Jesus has uh, some really beautiful words to offer us this morning. And so we're going to be in Mark chapter 9. And uh, I'm going to set the scene for a father who was caught in this same tension. So here's kind of the scenario. Uh, Jesus is coming down off a mountaintop where he had this incredible experience, like a literal mountaintop experience. And as he's making his way down into the valley, he notices that a a crowd is sort of gathered around some of his disciples. And uh, this argument has broken out. So in verse uh, 15 of chapter 9, it says, As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. Which is already like an odd start, right? They see Jesus. They're sort of like fangirling out. They run to Jesus and it's like, what's happening here? What's the argument? Um, A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Okay, let that hang in the air for a second. This is a father who is a son who apparently was of speaking age and now can know longer speak. And he goes on, says, whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. So do you, do you sense the father's desperation here? Like he, he's heard of this Jesus who does miracles, and he like, Imagine sort of like mustered up the strength to like get his boy to go before Jesus. He brings his boy to the disciples. And what does it say? He tried to get the disciples to drive with the spirit, but they could not. Can anyone relate to that kind of feeling? Maybe you mustered up the strength to put a prayer on the wall sometime in the last three weeks or to actually share with a friend or a small group or anything, just trusting that God could do something and that mountain has not moved yet. I think this father is deep in discouragement, maybe devastation, because he thought the disciples could do something and they couldn't. So it's out of that statement that Jesus responds. He says, oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Whoa. Like like Jesus sounds irritated at this point, right? He sounds a little frustrated but here's what I want you to know. Jesus knows that his time on earth is coming to an end, and he so longs for people to really, truly get how much he loves them. Like the depth of his power. Like, can you relate to that? Have you ever had someone in your life, that you just long for them to get how much you cared for them? Like how much you were rooting for them and praying for them and in their corner, and no matter how hard you tried, they just didn't get it? I don't think Jesus is mad, I think he's frustrated. He's like, man, I don't, I don't have that much time here on earth left. You're not getting it. Oh, how he wishes that they would get it. So Jesus says, in verse 19, he says, bring the boy to me. Bring the boy to me. So the father's mountain is about to come face to face with the mountain mover. Verse 20, so they brought, they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion he fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. So, so this is like this spirit's last ditch effort, right? I mean, it literally says the spirit sees Jesus and was like, okay, now, now is my last chance. I, I got to make this as bad as I possibly can. Now, don't miss the humanity of the story because this, this is this father's son. And whether you have kids or not, you can commiserate that that, that is an incredibly difficult thing to watch. And so this spirit in sort of a Hail Mary last ditch effort tries to make this just as painful as possible. And I think that is so true for so many of us, how easy it is to abandon our faith when we hit brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? He, he's like, he's at the feet of Jesus and the spirit takes this one last ditch effort. And I imagine he's got to feel absolutely heartbroken. He's watching his boy in pain again. In fact, things are maybe getting worse and not getting better. Have you ever felt like that in your own journey, in your own walk? I'm I'm praying this prayer. I'm trying to be faithful and things seem to be getting worse, not better. God, where are you? What are you doing in this? the story continues. Verse 21, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? from childhood, he answered. Okay, so real talk. Why is he asking questions in this moment? Like I'm reading that, I'm thinking, man, heal first, ask questions later. What are you doing, right? Like what an, what an odd exchange. And I think this actually shows a really important part of Jesus' character because my guess is Jesus actually already knows. He knows how long the father has been dealing with this, but he enters into the humanity of the father's pain. Jesus isn't just walking around with some magic wand like healing, healing. Lame can walk and blind can see. Isn't that great? He enters into, he touches lepers and he looks fathers in the eye and says, how long have you been carrying this burden? How long has this been weighing on you? Jesus isn't interested in just simply waving a wand and making it go away, but he, he enters into the story. He enters into the humanity of this father. And I think it shows something pretty profound because what does the father respond? Essentially he says a long time. Long time. We don't know how old the boy is, but essentially his response is long time. And my guess is that, you know, in a room this size, maybe some of you during this series you were inspired to, to pray about a, a mountain in your life, but my guess is there's plenty of us that are like I mean, I've been praying for a mountain for a long, a long time. This has been going on for months years, decades. And you're here this morning thinking, I I don't know how much more energy I have left for that. Maybe the mountain you've been waiting to move is debt or an illness or a relationship or a relationship to be repaired or an opportunity or clarity. I don't know what that mountain is. But I know that God enters into the midst of our pain and suffering. We meet Jesus in a really powerful way in our pain, in our sorrow. And I'll admit to you, I don't wait well. Like, has anyone ever like screamed at a red light for taking too long? Anyone? You can't lie, this is church. This is Okay, has anyone ever like screamed at a red light for taking too long only to go home and binge watch the office for twelve hours? You're like, what was I in a hurry for? Where am I going? Like, I'll take the bag of popcorn out of the microwave two minutes early just because I really want popcorn right now. Like, I'll waste half the bag of kernels because I need popcorn. I cannot wait that extra two minutes. I do not wait well. But what I have found is that often in the midst of that waiting, that is where God has shown up the biggest in my life. When I was without answers, without equilibrium, when all I had was God. God. When it it seemed that everyone else had fallen away, all answers fell flat and all I had was God. There have been seasons where I would look back now and I think, man, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, some of those seasons are when the roots went down deepest. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, God, you're all I have. God enters into the waiting. And this story reminds us that mountains can move even when the wait is long. Mountains can move even when the wait is long. The wait can be a place that doubt can grow, but it's also a place where faith is strengthened and the roots go down deep. So this father is smack dab in this this tension, this waiting. And he goes on to tell Jesus that this spirit will often like throw the boy into water or fire to kill him. He's witnessed this. And this is what the father says, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Now the word pity is the word splachnon. Let me hear you say splachnon. Okay, that was pretty good. But if you're like not, it's more phlegmy than that. Like if you're not spitting on the necks of the people in front of you, you're not doing it right. So let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Inspirational, that was very good uh, sploknon literally means like guts or bowels which It kind of sounds like that, right? Sploknon sounds like something That would be in your guts or bowels Which feels like a weird place For that kind of word, right? If you could do anything Just take bowels on us Like, t- Ugh, what? No What this meant for an ancient Jewish audience Though the, the bowels, the guts Was like the deepest seat of the emotion And will It's kind of like you ever before buying a house or going for a job or whatever, you're like, oh, I just feel it in my gut, right? I feel it in my gut. And that's what the father is saying here. He's saying, if you can do anything, man, I, it's not just the healing. I want you to like, just, I want you to feel this with me. And that's such an important reminder that G- Jesus enters into that, that like, like stomach churning. Like even scripture says that even when we don't have words, the spirit intercedes on our behalf. When all we have are groans, just deep in our gut, and this is what this father is communicating here. But did you notice what he said at the beginning of that statement? He said, "But if, but if, you can do anything." Which to me, at just a quick read, it seems like this father's faith is shaky, doesn't it? Like he's standing before Jesus. He knows his reputation, and even standing face to face with Jesus, he's like, "But if, if you can do." anything and I find that particularly encouraging because I've heard in different faith circles this idea that like oh so-and-so wasn't healed or this person didn't get that job because you didn't believe enough you didn't have enough faith and I would say that's a great position to have if it wasn't for the Bible because the Bible is filled with stories of people like I don't even I don't even know if you're capable of that God but if you are please show up in a powerful way this, this but if, to me, communicates something really powerful because this father's faith was not like the superhero faith that we often kind of dream of. It's on life support at best, which communicates, I think, another important truth that mountains can move even while we doubt. Mountains can move even when we're sort of like, I don't know. I'm not sure it's gonna happen. God isn't put off by our doubts. and The Bible doesn't like, hide the stories of doubt and fear which means we don't have to either we can be honest about looking at something in our life and be like i don't i don't know how this is going to turn out so in verse 23 Jesus responds to this father kind of exposing his face struggle he says if you can i like to call this sassy jesus right <laughs> <Just> <laughs> don't, don't don't tell anyone i did that sorry <laughs> If you can, Z-snap, right? Like, girl, please. Uh, if you can, everything is possible for him who believes. Everything is possible for him who believes, to which the father then immediately responds, and I love this response. He says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Does that preach to anyone this morning? And I, I do believe, but also help Right? Yes. Totally. Awesome. I'm in. But also help me. I'm struggling. Now keep in mind, we're not given any indication that this boy has been healed yet. So he's arguably like still rolling on the ground, foaming at the mouth at his feet. Like the source of this father's greatest pain is at his feet and he's looking Jesus in the eye and he goes I do believe, but level with me man. I'm having a hard time right now. And I don't know about you, but I've been to that place in my life more times than I can count. Like, I mean, I'm a pastor, right? You're not supposed to, like, doubt or question or struggle. I'm in that space frequently. Like, like God, I, yeah, I totally. But also, I mean, really? Can you? Will you? And I think this, this father reveals a really beautiful part of his heart. This honesty before Jesus. And do you see what's really happening here? There there are two miracles that are happening in this story. The one is obvious. It's the boy with the evil spirit. But the second is less obvious and it's Jesus healing this father's heart. And I think that's so true for so many of our lives. There are obvious mountains, right? God, do this thing, take away this thing, provide this thing. And those are often very good, holy, righteous prayers. But I I can't help but wonder if sometimes God isn't also saying, yeah, but I want to heal you too. Or I want to heal your heart. What's going on in there? I think often we get so fixated on what we think God should be doing that we often miss what God is doing in our own lives. With my own heart, with my own soul, with my own mind. The the father came for his son's healing, but he got a healing of his own heart as well. His, if you can do anything, turns into, I do believe. He's beginning to sort of trust fall again, right? When when we're tempted to sort of begin to fall and kind of brace ourselves, that's the bracing of self-reliance, of pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, of doing it myself. I don't need anyone, especially and particularly God, but he's beginning to trust again. I, I do believe, but help me. Help my unbelief, which I think communicates that mountains can move in unexpected ways sometimes. Sometimes they'll move in ways that we never expected. Sometimes, rather than calming the storm, he gives us peace in the midst of chaos. Sometimes, when we're at our most fearful, even in the pit of that darkness, he is a voice of comfort. I can tell you, there have been plenty of times in my life where I've prayed for something and it did not happen the way that I hoped that it would. But I can see now, at least in some of those cases, what God was really doing, what was really happening. Now, that's not to say that there aren't plenty of other situations, right? I may not ever know, God, why? Why Why did you let this happen? Why did you allow this to continue to happen? But it's in that tension of belief and unbelief that I believe that the roots go down deep. Deep. So I gotta ask, is there something in your heart that needs healing this morning? Maybe something deep inside that you, you know has been turning for a while because here's what I know to be true. Sometimes the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. Sometimes when you strip it all away, when you boil it all down, that, that's what's really going on. Sometimes the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. What would it look like to say, God, he, heal my heart. Help me to be a source of grace and mercy and truth wherever I go, because Jesus heals both the boy and the father, because what he desires, first and foremost, is our faith, is our relationship. The author of Hebrews put it this way. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, which is a weird statement, right? I remember used to always really reading that in such a, such a, like a, like an aggressive way, like, well, gosh, I guess faith is just this thing I gotta get better at to like check off on the list. But what I think that really is communicating is that God is first and foremost after our heart. He's not interested in just simply doing some cool things. He says, no, no, I want a relationship with you. I want you to know me and I wanna know you. And I, I mean, think about that. All of our best relationships are wired that way, right? Like the best marriages aren't just like, oh, we have a, the same address and we have similar tastes in music as long as it's not Nickelback. And we go to the same types of, right? Like, that's a, that's an okay marriage but the best marriages are the ones that man we, there is just such an anchor of trust of relationship. Think about our friend groups, our small groups, our communities. The the best relationships are the ones that are rooted on faith and trust in one another. And we're not perfect and we make mistakes. But I think that's what God is ultimately after. Will you really trust me? Not just with your Sunday mornings, not just around your church friends, but with your life, with your whole heart? I think we grow in our relationship with Jesus the more that we trust him, even when our trust is put to the test. I think Jesus even meets us in our suffering. I heard a Russian pastor years ago, he said something like, Christians are kind of like nails. The harder you hit them, the deeper they go. The harder you hit them, the deeper they go. Has anyone experienced that before? Like Again, I don't know that I would wish this on anyone, but I know that in this season, in this, difficult, in this pit of grief and sorrow and fear and uncertainty, God grew my faith so much deeper than I even knew possible because God's after our heart. He's after us fully and completely. So today, as I mentioned, is a really, really special day. It's maybe my favorite day of the year. We call it Baptism Sunday. And baptism is simply this. It's an outward sign of an inward spiritual reality. It's drawing a line on the sand. It's driving a stake in the ground. It's saying, I'm all in. When someone goes under the water, they identify with Christ, his death and his burial. But when they come up out of the water, they identify with his resurrection and the newness of life that God invites us into. And there are plenty of people who have already decided that today is the day. But my guess is there's just as many people who came today, maybe you came with high expectation or no expectation at all, that you, even in this moment, you're wondering, is he talking right at me? Your your heart rate is starting to speed up a little bit. You're tapping, or whatever it is, I believe that God is inviting you today to say, I'm all in. I'm gonna trust fall into the arms of Jesus. It doesn't mean you have all the answers, you have everything figured out, but you're gonna say, God, I'm in. I'm all in. I'm opting out of the rat race of trying to be good enough, smart enough, holy enough on my own. We're trying to earn affection or identity. God, I just want to trust you. I believe, help my unbelief. Today could be your day. Now, I know that plenty of you, if you didn't plan on being baptized today, you probably have a whole list of reasons why today is not the day. Maybe you have questions like this one. Uh, But I was baptized as a baby. Should I be baptized again? I'm not going to unpack all of the theology here, but as best we can understand, every experience of baptism in the New Testament is an adult making a conscious decision to trust fully in Jesus. And I would say this even, if you were baptized as a baby, getting baptized as an adult is, is, is really an affirmation of what I believe your parents longed for you all along. It's an affirmation saying, God, God is doing stuff in my life that my parents always desired would be a part of my life. By saying yes to Jesus, saying I'm all in, you can begin that trust fall Faith, maybe you're thinking this. Okay, what about my kids who are in Kid City? I'd like them to be a part of this. I'm so glad you mentioned that. We also want them to be a part of that. So we're going to bring all of our first through fifth graders are going to be up in the balcony area so that they can experience this with us because we, we we believe the reason we don't do this off in some private room somewhere is that we're a family and that we celebrate this together. So all of our Kid City kids are going to be in here and they're going to celebrate with us. Maybe you're thinking this. Uh, What if I have family friends who are not here today that I want to see it? I'm so glad you asked, hypothetical congregant. Um, (laughs) We have photographers here, like really, really stellar photographers. We're filming the whole thing. We can make all the photos available, all the videos available, so you can share it with friends and family no matter where on planet Earth they are. We're going to make all of that available so you can share it ASAP with the people who aren't in this room right now. Maybe you're thinking this. What if I don't have clothes to change into or a towel to straw off with? That's a very practical question. I got you covered. We got shorts. We got shirts. We even have underwear, if that's your thing. Um, We have blow dryers. We have makeup. You might leave prettier than when you came here this morning. Like, (laughs) we have a whole team back there who's thought of everything of every, There's no reason that if you're feeling like, man, today I just feel this, this tug, this nudge, I feel like today is the day. Yes. The answer is yes. And maybe the question that I, I most often get is this one. Don't I need to have my life all together before I get baptized? Don't I, don't I need to kind of like clean up my act first? Please hear me. I, I would respond to that with a resounding absolutely not. That's the beauty of the Jesus message, the beauty of the gospel. Not that we come with arms full of all the things we can do for him, we come with arms empty, say, God, I, I can't save myself. I'm in need of a savior. We come with all of our brokenness, all of our pain, all of our sorrow, and Jesus says, Get in here, I will give you rest. That's the invitation. You don't clean up to take a bath. You take a bath to get cleaned up. If you're here today and you're like, Man, I, I'm still struggling. Join the party, man. But the invitation is still the same. Will you trust me? My sincere belief that God is is gonna do something pretty remarkable in this room and that he's already begun. And if that's you, man, I wanna challenge you to courageously take that step today. In a moment, we're gonna invite everyone to move and you can head right to the back and anyone with the blue shirt would be happy to help you. Happy to answer any questions to walk you through the whole process. And we're gonna celebrate together today the God, the mountain-moving God who isn't put off by our doubt, our struggle, our sorrow, and enters into our pain and grief and also enters into our joy and our celebration and says, I am trustworthy. May we trust him today and every day. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us way beyond what we could deserve or imagine. God, thank you for pursuing us, for being patient with us. And God, I, I, I sincerely believe that in this moment, in this room right now, you, you're tugging at hearts. You're, you're giving a gentle nudge. God, may we have the courage to move, not because of the answers that we have or even the strength of our faith, because we're trusting in a God who moves mountains. So regardless of our story, regardless of where we are this morning, God, may we trust you fully and completely. We thank you and we love you and we pray all these things in the beautiful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.